0: Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we talk about all Marvel properties, but sometimes we just got to make that exception when there's something that good coming from the other side. We are here to talk about DC's The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, starring a lot of beautiful people, even some beautiful people in prosthetics um i'm jerome chang i'm hosting this podcast this week uh of course we have super producer jay christie how are you i'm doing very well how are you doing jerome i'm doing fantastic and uh our our brother ac anthony canton III is not on the podcast he is taking uh this one off but uh we are obviously thinking of him for this um but we came in with a heavy hitter uh stephanie uh, (laughs) stephanie williams (laughs) steph I, te- I DM'd you today. I'm like, do you want to talk Batman? And you came through like the queen that you are. How are you? We're so excited to have you to talk about this.
1: I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Um, I'm happy that you hit me up because uh, after seeing it, I was like, you know what? I guess I wouldn't mind talking about this one
0: right exactly uh, so
1: you you uh you swooped in just in time
0: <laughs> perfect perfect yeah though no, I saw your tweet just before Jake pointed out to me I was like I'm glad she's like taking that extra break for us for this one um but let's just mm-hmm. get right into it the Batman um Steph we'll we'll start with you because you were open to talk about it let's get first impressions in. how did you feel about this iteration of a character that has seen many in live action
1: uh, pleasantly surprised because about maybe thirty minutes into watching it, I leaned over to my husband and I said, oh, "Here we go again." But <laughs> I was I was kind of wrong. Um, in that, and I was happy that I was. I had low expectations, so it's not like they had to do a whole bunch to exceed them. But um, for the most part, they did. And uh, before we came online, um, Jake was talking about visceral reactions and saying. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make sure that uh, my feelings walking out weren't just too reactionary. But even the last what three three days now, I still feel the same. I actually want to see it again um, because I enjoyed it that much.
0: Amazing. And Jake, uh, we talked a little bit in our group chat. Mm -hmm. You are over the moon about this. Uh, Tell us. Yeah, I
2: I really liked it a lot. Um, I think it's probably and this is I might get some blowback on this just because. I'll be completely frank that Tim Burton is just generally not my cup of tea. So it's probably my second favorite Batman movie ever made um, right. after the dark Knight, which I still think just the set piece and stuff. But I think that the thing I really liked about this is that I think so many, the, the general joke going into this movie was, Oh, of making Batman dark and gritty. Isn't that novel? But I think <laughs> that this movie was a really good example of like how the phrase dark and gritty has been thrown around too much and stupidly. A lot mm-hmm. where it's like, this movie had a con- coherent tone that it was throughout, and it never, ever felt excessive. There was never a moment where it was like, we're going to do th-. I mean, maybe it did to some people. But I guess for me, is it felt consistent to me yeah. of the tone that was going for was dark. But I think that it had, it didn't feel like nihilistic that a lot of the dark interpretations of characters are. Where right. it felt like the point of it was that he was trying to help people. Um, and I think the ending note really rang true for me where it's like that, that I can accept you to go really really far dark in a movie and I'll be okay with it if the point of it is that it's dark and that's bad not it's so dark we should just give up on the world and I feel like that's where a lot of dark and gritty reboots go wrong for me.
0: Yeah, also, I mean, in fairness, it's Batman. Like yeah. I think when we talk about dark and gritty, like I think one of the most egregious errors of that had been when it came to Batman uh oh, not Batman sorry Superman Man of Steel where mm-hmm. it was fresh off of Nolan and they just thought like to be serious you had to be dark and gritty and dark and grittier against type against character whereas like like you said everything here um just seemed to fit and it, my, my initial reaction is I absolutely love the movie I will say it was too long <laughs> but outside <laughs> of that uh like it's the thing that's forgivable for me is like when it gets the things that it gets right. And we're going to talk about a lot of those things in the next hour. It gets them right. So spectacularly in ways that Mm -hmm. you're just like so impressed. And in some ways so angry of like, it took us this long to get like a Batman movie, like really Batman and Mm -hmm. like a comic book movie, I would say really like a comic book. Like that's one thing I was thinking about uh, just talking with a friend right before this, but The thing that's actually exciting about talking about a Batman movie um, for once is that we can start with Batman because it feels so often when you think about a lot of the live action Batman movies, the Batman character himself is actually secondary to like the villain or to the set or to the director's ideology of what they want to represent through the character. The ultimate problem,
2: the reason why that is, honestly, with the two big examples being the Burton through Schumacher ones and then the Nolan ones, is that in both the Burton ones and the Nolan ones, they basically solve the central problem with Batman at the end of the first one. You know what I mean? Sure. Like He's not as big. He kind of is explored by the end of it. Um, And I think that this was really why with Snyder, he's been solved twenty years before that movie starts. I think the wise choice they made here was that like he's a mess and he's gonna be messed by the end of it. Like he is a fucking mess. We're not going to solve this character.
0: Well, it's also like I I remember ring, reading uh over the weekend a ringer piece that like speaks pretty well to it and I think Steph would probably Uh, know this as well, it's just it's also the character of Batman and how it's written, how it's existed has always been a character that was like created to be left open for different interpretations in different ways that it could be campy at times it could be childish, it could be a serious detective drama, it could be all these things um, and it's almost intentional Uh, and so I think because of that that's also where we see it in live action getting lost, but like, let's talk about this Batman, let's talk about Robert Pattinson's uh, depiction and Matt Reeves' uh, writing of him, because I think it's my favorite Batman easily, uh, by far. And um, I know a lot of the pushback around, at least like the Bruce Wayne character and being like very morose <laughs> and very emo. Uh, my my take on it, especially if we get a chance of actually seeing a sequel, is this is very Casino Royale, like this is yes. like that James Bond movie. Like you did not see you know daniel craig's james bond exactly realized as the character quite yet exactly it, if you're is
2: right, the confidant in both of them all right sorry exa- exactly <laughs> no, there no. You go.
1: it's okay because that so funny enough like bruce is someone that i'm excited to talk about because i felt robert patterson got both bruce and batman down it felt hmm. very year two um yeah. and i know the you know the rotulado, it's very intentional in like its references yeah. like he
0: even <laughs> comes in like on top with the narration saying like year two doing this
1: yeah and and it felt that way because when he like this whole thing between him and alfred i really appreciate it because at first i was like man we're not getting a lot of alfred but i was okay with that by the time they have that that talk between the two of them um it mm-hmm. made a little bit more sense but when Bruce was pretty much like, "You're not my dad," I was like, "Man, fuck you, Bruce!" But,
0: <laughs> what a dickhead. Like it,
1: but like it went in line with who he was—someone who was very selfish and still blaming himself for what mm-hmm. happened to his parents and thinking that through his actions of vengeance and, you know, putting fear in people that that was going to, um, I don't know. I guess. Clean up Gotham or move Gotham in whatever direction he was trying to go in, that wasn't it. Like, he went from being a young Punisher to mutual a Batman by the end of that movie. And I don't know if I've ever seen that in a Batman iteration on screen. In the right. animation, I'm pretty sure we probably get that. Um, no, because, like, even that Batman's really realized. Well, well, too. well
0: the, re- the reference point that, uh, again, from that ringer piece, that I really like uh, is Mask of the Phantasm. That is like Yes, the,
1: right. Yes. That is right. where
0: you actually see Bruce Wayne struggle with the idea of, you know, he actually is he he endeavors to become this vigilante, but then experiences as he grows older, like how grief works, is it it doesn't stay as strong as it has like when you're younger. Like you can find happiness, you can grow out of it. And he struggles back and forth between it in that movie that he like. Almost wants to like r- um, get rid of the mantle entirely until like you know go watch it. It's really good, um, but like that, like those are examples. And to your point, Steph, like especially in live action, like it's just not explored at all.
1: No, because yeah, you I think folks I think that, want oh, sorry, Batman go. to be. I'm sorry. I'm, just one more thing. No,
2: so no, like, yeah, sorry, go, you don't have the video so going to talk.
1: Because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, folks want Batman to be perfect. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of batman fans um and i say that like loosely uh mm-hmm. they know batman of like this great detective this guy who's always 10 steps ahead he's always prepared and whatever but
0: like I mean, how, how large fine, is but... the twitter hype of like batman would beat that x like beat blank and, okay because they would it's figure you know what mean? That.
1: Yes. yes and that's fine and whatever sometimes it's fun but a lot of times it's just boring because Mm-hmm. What fun is a character who doesn't have room to grow. Um, and this Batman, yep. you got to see that with him. Even Selena. Um, you yes. got to see that with her, uh, because she also was in her first year or year two or whatever. Um, I's kidding again, more um right. yeah but like again for like me to you sitting in my seat um those last what 30 minutes of the movie um and like actually cheering on bruce and being close to happy tears that like he he gets it like he gets what he needs to do mm-hmm. um that was a lot because listen me get misty eyed over a white man no. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's also, like, it's a very classic superhero origin story that they need to essentially figure out their purpose by the end of, like, the first act. And we mm-hmm. actually give the full movie. Like, one thing that, um, if we're talking about some recent movies that we really appreciate... Like Spider Man No Way Home does a thing where they turn the third movie into the final act of actually realizing your purpose and fully mm-hmm. realizing like why you need to be what who you are. But Jake, mm-hmm. like, talk to me about um, like Robert Pattinson's depiction of the character and yeah. just like even the character in general.
2: Exactly. I think what I was gonna say is I listened to Matt Reeves did in an interview on the Big Picture Podcast where he talked about this. I'm I'm not quoting him exactly, but the general vibe he said, which I agree with so much. And I think this goes to what you're talking about, Steph, with what people expect is like the version of Batman that they're portraying. Simply could not also be a Playboy billionaire at parties. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so they decided very early on, like, yes, in the canon of the character, he is usually also like a Playboy who, you know, beds women and goes to parties, but they're like, we're just not going to do that. And I think that that choice is what completely unlocks the character because it gives you permission. Because I think there's all you could only make the Batman character so dark if you're going to have cut to him in a tuxedo at a ball. You know what I mean? Like, if you just said, if you instead make him a guy who's an heir, who's barely seen in public, who very clearly has like pretty, seems like general genuine social anxiety issues with people, like he just mm-hmm. doesn't know how to react, interact with people, then that makes it a lot easier to believe and to sympathize with a guy who is still having these problems. Because if you see a guy who can't interact with the world like a normal person, you believe, oh yes, he is still in deep grief. But if you see a guy who's laughing it up at a gala, it's like, is he really still that sad about his parents dying? And of course he is. But <laughs> Right. But, and so I think, that that will open up a lot for them and i think also a big thing about this movie which i think goes back to what i was talking about with it not just being dark and gritty is that like i think the version of batman i think people think they want is this is not literally what it is but he starts off the movie saying i am vengeance and the lesson he learns is i need to vengeance harder you know what i mean that's i think like the version <laughs> people say they want and right. it's like no the point is it actually can't be vengeance that like yes. and i think that making that choice is such an interesting one and i think what you need to do in order to have the character move forward especially not to be like this guy but especially in 2022 like i think that this that we just we kind of know that just like a rich white guy beating people up because he's angry is not an interesting character anymore and so i think what is so powerful i think about the end shout ending, out cat whooping
0: for actually picking up on that yes too.
2: like shout, exactly that she called him out good. for it
0: that's amazing for her to just like look at him and be like your black and white view of how things work you could you have to be rich
2: and because i think that so many people when in confronted with some problems or like things that just don't really work in this day and age like well that's what it was not was written it's like or alternatively you could like make the add that tension into the story and make that the thing the character has to overcome and that what if bruce actually did realize that vengeance is not the way to do things oh maybe that's gonna be an interesting plot point and i think that that really really the fact that they were willing to go there that they didn't have to end the story with Batman still being all about vengeance freed them up to do so many interesting things with him
0: yeah and and I think the other important part about it and needing it to start where it is here is like we can have playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne but he has to realize like really why I think what happens and what they rush to in most other iterations is like he just comes in with such a clear-cut plan like this is how I'm gonna go about it. I'm going to be a symbol this way. And I'm going to do this this way. I'm going to strike fear this way. But to keep my anonymity, like I think about um all the stuff that happens in the Dark Knight uh rises. And like when he's giving uh, fake Robin mm-hmm. hit all his uh advice about like how to go about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like expert vigilantes suddenly. Like this is like you yeah. knew this going in. It didn't make sense. I just any don't sense. believe it. In Batman Begins, I don't believe it, because he comes back
2: from, like, starting abroad for, like, a decade, and he doesn't mention it to anyone, and that's just unrealistic. If you do that, you're going to mention everyone, right. you know what I mean? Like, you yeah, yeah. To- no, oh, you like, would come back, back, back as, as a China. recluse,
0: you know. Yeah, it's it's more believable if you remained a recluse the entire time, and so people kind of almost dismiss you entirely, like, you just...
2: Yeah, I, I think it almost, it's it's kind of feels a little bit too, almost feels sociopathic how quickly... <laughs> versions of i think that that's the thing michael keaton kind of nailed in the original batman that i think they kind of didn't know what to do with back in the day where he right. is
0: kind of weird around people he's and a like, big ass weirdo mm-hmm.
2: and they, I, they, think, I think that yeah. like this is the logical extension of that whereas i think that christopher nolan just wasn't that interested in that and that's fine once again i think his movies are still great but i think that that's just something he wasn't as interested in exploring
0: well it, yeah it's funny you mentioned the christopher nolan like interpretation and how he grasps material because like they're like Those are really good movies, and I think like Dark Knight still stands as like my favorite film of it. But there is just this element where Nolan was he seemed more interested in like the broader ideas around everything and what these like different characters and archetypes represent as symbols and uh, like not in terms of like grit, but like just like sometimes just could not exist in a ground level of telling just like a straight story. And I like this is what's kind of getting to my next point of just how well, like, we start with robert pattinson we start with this batman character but just how well this batman story comes to life because i would say this is like the first instance and like i'm gonna lean on steph again for this one because i don't have as much experience watching and i've been watching more uh, over the course of the weekend just to kind of get ca- caught up with it but when you talk about dc live action you always say like you know they could tell good stories because if you ever watch their animated stuff to me yeah. this is their most animated like storytelling in live action.
1: Absolutely. Cause um it made me think of Hush.
0: Yeah. It
1: made me think, which is also a great comic. It also made me think of the long um Halloween, which they yeah. just recently went last year. Um elements of that and both of those were part one and two was really good. Um this is the closest that DC has been to DC animated. It it, it,
0: it it even did the thing where it starts with the narration, which I love. Like, it's sort of like that, like, it always seems to go that way. And, like, obviously, that is like because when it comes to Batman movies, you always go noir, but it it was funny entering into the Batman, starting with Robert Pattinson's narration. And I was just like, wait, is this an animated feature or is this actually a movie that I'm watching right now?
1: Yeah. Um, I, and I think just that scene when they're, when like we see him actually beating the shit out of folks um yes. at the at the train station yeah, yeah, yeah. and you see the one guy who's shout out batman for defending
0: any api hate that was like really big yeah. on him <laughs> social justice warrior <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> i got
0: joke somewhere and i was just like that's brilliant that's really funny. But, yeah. it,
1: but it's true though um and mm-hmm. he doesn't and then the the little uh the little guy who failed his initiation he lets him go
0: yeah yeah i um, also like in um like when we talk about just a grounded reality he walks out of the shadows like in any other yeah. batman movie it requires him to like live in the shadows and pull people out of places and in like it, this is really a strike the fear moment where he already has a reputation they already established how the bat signal is like a warning to everyone that it pe- keeps people in check and it just i mean this is a shout out to the score which i think is like one of the mm-hmm. best scores holy shit in michael giacchino design. was oh my he was
2: so far in his bag you have to like it's like the he's like the flick of french fry at the bottom of the mcdonald's bag was that, <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you know what i mean just Like truly
2: he spazzed i'm just gonna say it he did he, he and, did and
1: then, because i think yeah. i read an interview but he mentioned something or it was either him or matt reese where they mentioned um from star wars what is it the march of the imperial march know? that the, the, yeah, the imperial yeah.
2: march
0: definitely is similar Yes.
1: Yeah, but it was giving me that which I love because how fucking epic!
0: It's because it is like a calling signal. When the Imperial March comes, you know a motherfucker is about to run through you, and that is like what's going on with the score too.
2: It honestly feels like the first major, and this is probably not true, but it feels like the first big budget movie score to try to become that. it, It was trying to become iconic since the Avengers. Because I feel like, obviously, like, the iconic scores, you know, most of them by John Williams. Um, And I feel like there have been, but I feel like of late, like, you know, I like some of the scores in the Marvel movies, particularly, like, the main Ant-Man theme. But they're not trying to be iconic movie music for that. But this, it felt like they're like, oh, we're going to fucking put our, you know, put our money where our mouth is. This is the Batman movie music.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, you mentioned the Avengers, and that's like, uh, like, it has become synonymous, but I feel like that was even a score that took its time exactly it didn't become... it.
2: exactly yeah
0: like when they released this score prior to the movie i heard it and i was just like oh my gosh like i want to see this movie even more and what you know like and the other thing too is like the way the avengers one works it works as a sound drop this one lives throughout the movie it is like it is his theme and, and the two uses of the nirvana song with the score
2: and the score echoes yeah. that a lot i think just like it's, I don't know, it's yeah. just like, it's a vibe, it, I think is the thing too, like, this doesn't feel like someone, it it, it just, it feels like there's a lot of um, heart. You see the vision. In, you see the vision, because the thing about, like, someone who's, like, sad and listening to Nirvana, they're sad because they care, and that's, I feel like, mm-hmm. the, that's what I'm trying to say about this, where it's like, it's, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel gratuitously dark, because it feels like everyone cares how bad things are,
0: and the bit where the Nirvana It's a despair in and trying and not seeing the, yeah. like, fruits mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, exactly. When great. it
2: comes yeah. in when he's looking at the mayor's son, like that feels like very earned and like, yeah, this is really like this but also what's a fucking vibe and I'm vibing on it, man.
0: Yes. Yeah. Also well,
1: what a Go ahead, what Steph. a brilliant yeah. way. No, I'm sorry. Just but like just what a brilliant way to give us Batman's background story or origin story or whatever Completely. without running us through the alley again right Um, that off top I thought was just really smart um, for Matt Reeves to do it that way because now I actually care I care about um, what's going on with the city the mayor election Gotham itself I actually care now because I'm I'm, I don't know like I'm not so obsessed with the Waynes it's more so like what is going on in Gotham which is like y'all live like this it was really fucked up
0: well, that's... The, yeah, so you mentioned Gotham, and uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about it too, but, like, again, thinking about, say, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, like, lives in Batman and Joker, and they are fighting over the soul of Gotham, but so much that it's exposition over just showing it, whereas, like, I feel in this Gotham, like, you, you wrote it to me when we were talking a little bit ahead of the pod stuff. It Like, it's such a character on its own, and one that, like... It, that they're everyone's trying to fight to save in their own way but um like you mentioned like characters like bella real like you're a big fan of hers i don't know a lot about the character it's the first time i introduced to her like how does she exist in lore
1: um that is a good question because i never did uh look that up to make sure that she was like uh, a fair enough because uh, uh, i'm like that's not the same that's not what amanda waller is doing um mm, yeah so that is a new character, from my understanding.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, like when you think about the character of Bell Royale, it's, yeah, she just represents like a real hope for it in like a situation where everyone has their own agenda in, in that. And I think it was like an important character to have because hers is probably um, not directly, like I'm glad that she is not there to... Immediately, like, influence she, like, obviously at the funeral has that moment with Bruce, but like, she is kind of like a little bit of the start of the spark that, like, sees like that he needs to be more. Like, if there's a reason why we see, like, in part the Bruce Wayne that we know, like, she has a lot to do with it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think it, it just goes to like, this is such a lived in universe, this is such a like great, like, translation of the Batman universe into live action. And I feel like we've talked long enough without at least talking about some of the villains. And we have to start with the main at this point. The Riddler is such a motherfucker in this thing. He is scary. He's so scary and so true to character in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a take I really liked about it that I read somewhere was that, that like, oh, someone figured out how to do Tom Phillips or... Uh, Tom
2: no it was it was no. michael springthorpe tweeted they gave walking right. phoenix walking uh, phoenix an oscar for what uh, paul dano and matt reeves just figured out how to do better exactly
0: thank you that's exactly <laughs> shout out springthorpe but no um the re- like i i want to get to riddler because i want to get to jake who yeah i feel like a lot of like your high score for this starts with dano mm-hmm.
2: well because the thing is i said early on and i did and i wasn't just saying this to be like uh you know call my shot even though i love call my shot and mm-hmm. steph i don't know if we ever talked about this but i had high, so i start having high expectations for this movie when i learned that they cast paul dano as the riddler because right. he is actually saying. someone you cast mm-hmm. he's someone you cast if you want the riddler to be serious and scary he's not a con he's not a comedian he's you know he is someone who you if you want to take the shit seriously in an actual serious way yeah you cast him
0: and i think also if he need someone so well. who's manic <laughs>
2: Exactly, but I think the thing they did so well with him is one, he is legitimately terrifying because he's terrifying, he plays him as someone who actually is like a mentally unstable terrorist, would mm-hmm. exist and the thing that I think they, they nailed so much better than a thing I've complained about a million times with villains in movies is that this Riddler has a point the Gotham, you know, renewal project was corrupt, there's a bunch of bad shit going on, he didn't get enough love at the orphanage he was correct about that but the movie does not have to pretend like he is like a victim who had no choice but to do this. And I feel Completely. like that is kind of, that like the reason he's so scary is because he's not rational. Like, yes, there are problems with Gotham, but I think what the, th- the thing that this movie kind of argues is like, yeah, no shit, everyone thinks that Gotham is not a great place to live. Like, you're not novel because you think that Gotham needs a reckoning. Like, yeah, what, Real is doing the same thing. She's just trying to do it through an election. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so. I, I think that the way that they allowed him to also, be he goes unsy- after
0: like people who are legitimately terrible, who are bad people,
2: exactly. Yeah. But the way that they allowed him to be unsympathetically crazy. And that's like, seems like so obvious and like, I don't even want to use the crazy derogatory, but it's like, they weren't concerned with you being like at the end, but you know, the Riddler did have a point all along. And mm. that, the uh. fact that they never had that in mind, I think allowed them to go places with the character that so many movies wouldn't, they would need you to be like, you know what, when you think about it, he didn't get enough love at the orphanage. So it makes sense that he did, did all this crazy shit, but no, he was a sadistic person. And the fact that, oh, they he played him honestly, like a villain on Criminal Minds which is fucking awesome, because yes. that's where if a supervillain was real, if if the Riddler was real, he would be like Hannibal Lecter, you know what I mean? He wouldn't be funny. <laughs> he would be, and I think just the look and the, I heard Paul Dano talking about how it was his idea to put saran wrap around his head, because he's like he doesn't have the money to make a costume where his hair, but he still needs to make sure his hair doesn't fall out. So what would right. he do? A real Riddler would use saran wrap around his head, you know what I mean? Like, uh uh-huh. Things like, I mean, actually, funny. The interview I saw him say that he said, "I have to say cling film because I'm sure the people at the big brand don't want to be associated with this." <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I just think the way that they, in the way they did the riddles, like I was really worried that they wouldn't be able to make riddles serious. But it's like, no, they played him like the Zodiac killer, you know? And right. um, yes, yes. And Zodiac is one of the greatest movies ever made, and so it worked.
1: It it does, and then also. Um, the fact that they play him all the way like a villain that is irredeemable, um, it makes more sense that Bruce reacts the way that he does when um, he goes to talk to him. He is he is horrified, mortified, mm-hmm. all of that that he inspired this.
0: I I, I like his resistance for a minute where he's just Mm -hmm. like, we're not the same. And then Mm -hmm. as that conversation goes and the interaction goes, you just see the horror in Bruce's eyes of just like, oh, we are a lot closer than I thought. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think
0: parallels
2: that they, I think that they did a really good job nailing the exact amount of parallels to like real life white guy, right wing terrorism like, mm-hmm. there's echoes of it, but it's not, like, so pointed that it feels, like, ina- like inappropriate. But I feel right. like the, the places they chose to have parallels, I think, really worked. Because I think that that isn't... If you want to try to ground a Batman movie, I think, like, any of these... Any villain, ultimately, is just, in most cases, a terrorist of some kind. And so, like, to have the bit where it's an online chat room and there's people who are watching him and i know obviously a lot of people yeah. laughed when he said like the 500 of you but it's like in real life the people are doing horrible shit they're not broadcasting in 10,000 people people so they get arrested um right. and so like the ways that those were similar i think really worked and the fact that his name was edward norton not edward norton uh what was it edward uh edward norton's the actor edward um <laughs> what was his last name it began with an n uh instead of edward nigma basically in the fact they didn't yeah. do edward nigma really uh helped because i was afraid that they would like be serious and then be
0: like his name's uh enigma but thank god they didn't (laughs) yeah it, it was um and you know we get to that scene where they are talking across from each other and like that is the brilliance of the range of that character because for the longest time he is in his uniform at his most like emboldened and powerful and then how quickly you see he's broken when he's like meek without everything that he clearly was setting up like for the big moment, like, you know, it's, if the real moral of the story is uh, for this movie, never meet your heroes. He met Batman. He was let down. <laughs> he was not congratulating him on all his hard work for everything he did. He did not consider him a teammate. And just look what mm-hmm. happens to him. Like the way it goes back and forth, where at some points, and like they do such a good job in this scene because legitimately for a moment, I thought they were going through the point because I believe it does happen in one of the comic stories of mm-hmm. like, the riddler does figure out that batman is bruce wayne and they Mm -hmm. play with that in this Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that he is very smart he is very good at putting all these things together but he's also insane at the same time and he's so like locked up in his own like world i think is pathetic
2: i think that that is a thing that i think so many comic book movies and just movies in general miss about the real the real villains in the real world people who commit really horrible acts of violence, when you put them in a prison cell and you threaten them with prison, they're not stoic. They don't act like it was their plan all along. They cry like babies, honestly. And that's, I think, what was so yeah. affecting was like, this guy is not, he's not saying, this was all part of my plan, Batman. But guess what? He still blew up all those seawalls. All the people still died. He doesn't need to be still cool in order for him to be in a horribly
0: destructive force. Exactly. Steph, any thoughts on uh, Riddler?
1: Um, I'm just... Again, like to Jake's point, when uh, they cast uh, Dano, I was just like, yes, because I had seen Prisoners. Um, Mm -hmm. Didn't know what I was getting to when I saw that at the movies, but I remember being horrified when I saw that movie. And also, what is it, Taking Lives? He's in that too. Just brilliant casting. He played that um, like A. And those riddles on the drive home, I was like, damn, like, I want to be able to. Like, maybe they Googled some of these. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But the way that they tied them together to progress the story forward, I just thought was brilliant and it worked so well. Even the thing that people are starting to mean now with the La or whatever,
2: Right. I enjoyed
1: that because I think um, that is just another part of Bruce. Of course, he's on his way to becoming a great detective, but he still gets tripped up on small stuff. And I appreciated that. And the fact that the Penguin who I also enjoyed. Had to tell him oh, like yeah. you idiot. You. Like this is actually what it <laughs> what it
0: is. Let, let's get on the penguin. Let's talk
1: about the penguin. Yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, loved them. Oh, uh the iceberg no lounge notes. whatever on the on the docks. No notes. No um, notes. Um that car chase scene, I didn't even know the uh, penguin could drive like that, but clearly he can, and it wasn't like he was doing a great job, he caused a horrific accidents, um, yeah. but uh, the penguin just worked, like he was just this guy who was there waiting for a chance to grab a piece of that pie, and... Like, I wanted a Penguin spinoff. Like, I wanted to see... And we're going to
0: get one, I hear. Yeah, Seth, like, I got great news for you. Yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah. The, oh. they
2: announced it. It's HBO Max.
0: Yeah, HBO <laughs> yeah. Max is doing Colin Colin a series with Colin Farrell as yeah. the Penguin. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. I will be watching the in... shit out of
1: that. <laughs>
2: yeah. I just... Because, of course, because I love Colin Farrell. I don't know if, if you ever can watch an interview with him. He's one of the most insightful guys in Hollywood. And his mm. Hot Ones is great, as anyone's is. But he talks a lot in these interviews about how and this is thing a lot of people say where it's like when you put on that much makeup it's the most freeing thing in the world because you're not yeah. thinking about how you look
1: mm-hmm.
2: and me and uh aforementioned michael springthorpe saw the movie together and we always we always try to find the most roundabout way to say someone was chewing up the scenery so like most I say like you have to get floss to pick it out of their teeth or one time i said someone was chewing the boom mic because they ran out of scenery to chew on and right. i feel like there's a situation with colin farrell as the penguin like he actually was kind of disappointed that they were using real locations for a lot of it. Cause it's like, they didn't have the warranty to chew them up. You know what I mean? Right, he just right, was right, like... exactly. And and I think he knew exactly what his, I think in some of these movies where they have a character whose main function is really just to kind of exist in the universe and then be set up for something later, he knew how to play that. And I yep. think particularly because I, I assume he probably was promised an HBO Max thing before they even started shooting. And so like it didn't, you you weren't wondering why is the penguin in this movie? It's like, well, if you're going to have a Batman movie that has some stuff with organized crime, the Penguin has to be in it. And the Penguin doesn't have to be the main villain this time. But I think that that's what we guys are talking about with it feeling like a comic book. It's like, in a Batman comic, if a Batman needs to go to a club, even if the main villain isn't Penguin, Penguin might still be there. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I think that that really helped. Uh, it helped enhance the story to be like, even in other, cor- cr- if you look around any nook or cranny, you're going to see another villain.
0: I mean, you, you mentioned like, It's the possibility that he knew already that he was going to get more. Even if he didn't have that opportunity, for a movie like this, tonally, and how all the characters are, like, you just love to be that chaos. Like, that one who gets to have all the fun in this. And that's entirely what Colin Farrell as the Penguin gets to do here. Like, we... The, the interrogation scene where he gets to be like a real shit about it to them, while also being like completely emasculated and tied up, and like <laughs> full on doing a penguin waddle as he's like trying to get away. Like, um it's it's a thing where I know I definitely grew up on the penguin in terms of it being like the real cartoonish, like Burgess Meredith, like the Danny DeVito's, even the stuff in the uh, should have nominated for an Oscar. Right. And uh, like even the stuff in uh, the animated series, but like I think what they do with the Penguin character in general is like they do make him just kind of like a bit of a lovable loser gangster. And I think we're getting that here um, where he's on the come up and good for him. Like we're getting the Penguin origin story just as well. So like uh, I think what this movie does and Matt Reeves speaks to it, too, like even without knowing already that there are properties coming out, it really does a good job of building but giving just enough for everyone, too. Um, Could not agree more. Yeah. Um, speaking about having fun, uh, I I got to give the Batman so much credit on staying on course when you're doing mm-hmm. most of this across one Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> um, so... Christopher Nolan, I will say, screw him for saying that she was too urban for um I just for heard it about wasn't this. it wasn't, yeah, like it wasn't confirmed that it was him, but right. whoever was in his camp or him for saying that because um <laughs> now she ate this up. Mm. There was nothing left. Um it was just so natural, so graceful. Um she walked like a cat, but it wasn't in a cartoonish way. It just was yes um i was like i don't know who the nail tech is and got them but clearly um she is the one <laughs> because those nails were they were giving and it just looked very natural too like it, again like it wasn't cartoonish it was still steep in a realism that i appreciated um also love that she had an interior life um and she had her own arc of herself um i love the call to uh, her sex work history and comics with mm. her mom and um, the girl Annika, who she—I mean—Annika, who she wants to get revenge for. She also wants revenge, and it actually takes Bruce telling her, like, that actually isn't the way for you to go about doing it. Even though it's him who wanted the same thing, um, kind of realizing through her how much it would hurt. Right? Um, I thought that that was beautiful, and like, I was here for the bat and the cat.
0: She, All day she's long. so often like kind of like the character so often uses just like being a foil. And the fact mm-hmm. that she lives so independently and they cross pass is just something that I really love of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Jake. Uh Yeah I th-
2: yeah, I think that she's
0: just masterful at it. And I because I think I think mm-hmm. that she does. She's a needle
2: she threads really well, which I think with a character like this is I think a character like this so easily can be used in a movie as just like sexual eye candy right yep and yeah. i think that so much of why this works is because all the sexuality in the role zoe kravitz is bringing it and she's fucking in control of it and she knows what she's doing and she's like this is this isn't the direction. Like, like the best i am yeah. like i am using my fucking sexuality because i'm like i'm the fucking because that's what Catwoman women should do and i think that michelle pfeiffer does that really well yes. too in batman returns yes and mm-hmm. i think that that is something that like really helps you it helps her feel like an independent, like that you could see a Catwoman movie just with her. Mm-hmm. That she,
0: because she has tools in her toolbox, and like I
2: think the great, there's the great.
0: Bit I mean, where, arguably at know, this point, she knows herself way better than Bruce knows himself. A hundred percent.
2: Yeah, and she, the bit where she has like the camera on and is, you know, I was kind of worried that it's gonna be like, oh, is this gonna be Bruce like talking her through and she's all nervous? But like, you no, know, she knows what the fuck she's doing. She's a pro. Yeah. And um, I just thought that she was just in in the scenes with them together. Like, I mean, you know, I'm I've long held that if. Movie should have hot people in them, and the hot people should kiss each other. Like I think that that's just the thing that we mm-hmm. all can agree on. And mm-hmm. I think that this movie gave us that, and I really appreciate it for that.
0: I, I also have to give a shout out because uh, definitely when you think about live action Batman in particular, uh, Batman when opposite a uh, like a woman counterpart, they do actually become a little Bruce Wayne. Like, like I just think about this is definitely leading to like the Schumacher. Uh, ends of it but just like where uh Val Kilmer-, Kilmer goes like chicks dig the car like we didn't get that we got I think something that also is like kind of a um hearkening to some of the animated forms of Batman he's such a dud. Yeah like uh, yes. you know,
1: he like, plays him like he's a loser because he, he kind of yeah, is a is. loser
2: right
0: mm-hmm. yeah and she's he, like you dumb big hot idiot like what you yes. idiot <laughs> You know, uh, and, and just, it happens with the one kiss that they have. It happens with the kiss that they don't have at the end. It happened it's just like, when I see that, it, it is a little bit of, like, we got Boy Scout Batman, which is kind of, like, it's fun because you forget, like, Batman in so many ways, and, like, shouldn't be, like, he's just not cool, like, at all. <laughs> like, no, he, and he I also first- does
2: not there is no way that that man with those issues has healthy
0: sexual relationships he just doesn't he just does not
2: know how to have a healthy intimate relationship with anyone
0: like right. yeah um but no it, it's it's really such a good performance and i think especially for a lot of like superhero movies where we do have like a uh like a woman and man like dynamic like legitimate chemistry like i know it's easier to like just like oh you could just say it but no they had legitimate full-on chemistry that didn't have to be sexual that didn't have to be like romantic um and no it was just like knocked it out of the park we we need to actually i mean like the real romance if we're gonna say if anything in this is really yep. jim gordon and batman i think damn is, right it is, <laughs> yes. right it is. <laughs> the, the real romance of what's going on because like if you talk about the final scene where Batman doesn't kiss Catwoman, how do they not kiss each other in that interrogation room when Jim <laughs> Gordon is doing his movie. close talking? I giggled my the way he's ass like, off. Hey, "You gotta
2: go down the hallway and go there." Like he's like doing, like he's doing the he's
0: like leaning his head in.
2: Um, God, that scene was so fucking funny. <laughs>
0: and and I, I think this is also where like uh, you talk earlier about dark and gritty. It knows it's having fun. It knows when it doesn't need to. Like, that's where there's a difference between, like, I'm going to act and, like, listen to all this emo music and pretend to be something I'm not and something that you just are. And, like, not everyone is like that all the time. And, like, the Jim Gordon stuff is fantastic. Jeffrey Wright in the character, the way they use the dynamic at the beginning, like, Steph Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, early Batman year one, year two, things like that. Like, that is the dynamic that it should be, where it's like, I don't quite trust you, but I like trust you more than I trust literally anyone else here because I know how corrupt the city is. Like, you're the only person that I think can be a reliable person, like a partner in this. And the fact that like the bat signal isn't like there's crime over there, but like that's the only way I can get a hold of you so we can like talk through the case. I loved that so much.
2: I also love that anytime the Batman is around the police, all the police are like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Jim? Why are you bringing this <laughs> guy around great. here?
0: <laughs> I love, that. Jim, it's like I love that Jim is the guy at the party who brings that one friend, like, you brought him again? Like, what's happening <laughs> and, here? <laughs> and
1: like, um, Bruce didn't make it any better. Like he was being like the lumbering weirdo. Oh,
0: um, great.
1: especially on that first crime scene. It's just Incredible. like, okay, Lurch, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah
0: just when they're like carrying evidence around and like he won't even make a point to move like he's just so in character of like I am the symbol of fear and intimidation that like it's like I guess I'll walk around you you fucking dick like mm. is so good <laughs> um and, and and then like also I think what also works well and it was a good way to introduce like the actual dynamic of the Riddler directly um getting to Batman is it's played off up until the point that you actually see the two Batman card of just like, what the fuck is he here? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, and the chief actually has a legitimate reason, like, why did you bring him into this? He might be the murderer. And then like, mm-hmm. they're just like, and then Jim just flashes the card. it's like, all right, fine. But um, no, it's I think it was a really good balance, not since like, I really actually did like the Gary Oldman, uh, mm-hmm. Christian Bale dynamic, but this one I like just a bit more. And I think it's more of a credit to, you know, like when you think about movies like Bat or like stories like Batman year one, like Batman year one is not just the story of like Batman in his like first year, but it's Jim Gordon in his first year. And you see the parallels of how they come up together. And I think that's like what you get here in a really good fleshed out way. Um, Steph, like, taught taught to me a little bit about Jim Gordon and just, like, at least, like, in terms of, you know, all the different ways you've looked at, um, looked ahead of this film, like, I I think you would agree they they do nail it and it makes you just, like, so much happier about this Batman story.
1: They do because um, Jim doesn't feel like a sad sack because sometimes (laughs) um, he could feel that way. Yes. And I appreciate that he doesn't and it's just this guy who like wants to do his job and like clock out at the end of the day but he can't because he he's a police officer in Gotham City and the fact that he also is kind of um uh, naive in a way yeah um because he's just like wait what do you mean like this guy is corrupt or you saw him at the club and it was believable because this is also jim's coming out party too and yep. what he will become later for batman and for gotham and as commissioner um like <laughs> just just give me a punch and then run out and <sighs> then he tells bruce later like you you didn't pull your punch and i just wanted to bring up that scene one more time because you see how scared batman is before he jumps like one as he's running away and yeah. flying out or like grappling out but also when he jumps off the building how terrified he is and he doesn't stick the land he almost kills himself
0: that, i i will say like since you mentioned that that is if you want to talk about like how grounded this movie is like he gets ex- he crashes to the ground in a way that I don't care what amount of armor you have; like you're dead. Also, an explosive mm-hmm. <laughs> went off in his face. No one shoots him in the face. Also, like there just like is so much going on where I'm just like, and I'm not even mad at it. This is not me pointing out like logistical errors. I'm yeah. just like I like that they actually let themselves be a comic movie too at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many things like really to run through i'm i'm trying to think like i'm looking at what i have written down here and i feel like i got all the stuff is there anything that we want to talk about um otherwise when it comes to this film that car chase car chase let's talk car chase chase and let's talk like action in general that is a really good thing because Mm -hmm. like for a movie that is so long in like character building and things like that they actually do come through really nicely on that front
1: they do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of all of the balance, balancing of the emotional character beats, yep. where the action scenes actually pay off, and because they are so good, it's worth the wait. Um, that is the best Batman car in a long time. Like, I actually mm-hmm. was like, hey, I think I might want to buy this toy. Because, right. I mean, that's the other point of these movies, sell toys, and once upon a time ago it was, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> the rain... The use of rain uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the film was really great. But during that chase scene was just... It was phenomenal. Like, one, I'm like, you all are about to die. Everyone's about to die. But when (laughs) the ramp just magically um, appears uh, from the the truck or whatever, I was like, whatever, it's a comic book movie. I don't care. That's what should happen. But when he comes through the fire, I, I almost fucking clapped. Because that is how that's how epic it was
0: my it was scary yeah that 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 is a huge credit to also again like we're such a fan of his Colin Farrell is the penguin like he he's essentially the commentator throughout this whole chase right like the whole bits at the beginning there where he's like this guy is fucking crazy I love it like he's just so thrilled by the moment like Mm -hmm. he is He is kind of an avatar for the audience. Like, we get to experience it through him. Like, we're so pumped about what's going on here. And then, yeah, like, a big credit to, like, how successful that is and how it's still such a triumphant moment when it happens is we see that, we've seen that, like, how many times already in trailers? We've seen it so many times. We know it's going to happen. We know we're going to get there. And yet, like, how drawn out it is, the way it plays back and forth. Steph, you mentioned the rain. The way, the like, the rain distorts and like puts you in places where you don't really know what's going on at points but then you kind of come back into the action and you get to that and like it does come to like that calm right there where it's just like oh it looks like the penguin lost them and then he comes through again and it's such a cool moment uh jake you said that your theater did clap actually in that moment
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. that that when they came
0: through the fire um like this is in the trailer but hell yeah i don't you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And like, I, I think that's just like, also, I mean, it, it, to me too, like we talk so much about characterization. We talk about, you know, story and all the things that are going on. Like this is a real credit to production in general. Like Matt Reeves knocks it out of the park. We already talk about the score. The score does so much for each of these moments and building up the tension around it. Cinematography, tone, design, like, it's just so fully realized, I would say, in this case. And I and um, Jake, you said it in so many different ways. I just like the vision's there. Like there's just such a like striking, like sharp, sharp focus on what they want to achieve and they knock it out of the park, in my opinion. Um do we like? Do we have nitpicks? Like I, I, I had the too long for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I mean, my nitpick just generally is I want to if they're gonna do the whole city gets flooded, I want a better idea of how much devastation that is because it's really not clear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially right. because like they they make the point that uh, Gotham Square Garden is like the high point of the city and that still gets flooded, and so that by that logic, like big buildings would be getting flooded up to like the second floor in certain places. And I don't I think generally
0: that that's... that's like the one place where they didn't. Really have a strong idea of what they want to do. The final act, exactly. in general. Yes. Yeah, I think that they. Yeah. I think that the
2: idea of like funneling people into this one place and then trying to destroy that place, very interesting. I think the problem ultimately is that like
0: it was a bit of a shaky just, set piece.
2: I just don't believe that Gotham Square Garden is simultaneously the highest place in all of Gotham, but also if you get rid of the seawall, it will be underwater. Like, that just doesn't... I mean, it's, I mean, I guess MacGothan could be New Orleans, but, like, mm. it just doesn't feel like a real thing. And it just didn't feel, like, very thought out in terms of um, how the devastation would actually go. Because it's like, are we talking that... And I'm fine with this, If, but I think you need to say it. Is 5% of the city dead? Or is it, like, a couple... of mm. 10,000 people are dead? Because I think that if that's the case, then... I don't believe that the shelter zone. The way the Riddler
0: (laughs) speaks through and sets it up, it sounds like it is so catastrophic, and yet the way it ends up, it doesn't feel as like you hear the news report, you see things are going on, but like we're expecting like a jatari level, like Avengers, Mm -hmm. like this is going to take such a long time to recover from, and like I I mean to your point, like it may be like leaning into sequels to figuring that out. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say like in terms of general nitpicks, like, outside of just length, I wasn't the craziest about the, just the final act and, like, the final climax of everything that's going on around there. I think there was solid things going on. I thought it was cool to uh throw in that little bit of, like, Batman hitting himself with the adrenaline, which I know people uh have alluded, like, oh, what if it's, like, Venom that's happening there? But, like, whether it is or isn't, I just think, like, that is, like, a cool touch of just you know again he he's really struggling through this he needs everything possible to like get through it and I I do appreciate that side of it um Steph like is there anything like I know it definitely performed beyond your expectations but is there anything that you came out of this and you're just like "Ah, I wasn't too crazy about it the length it was just like really long
1: and Not that I necessarily had a problem with it by the end of it because it just, the means justified the end, but there were so many moments where I thought we were going to get credits and then like we didn't, it was kind of like this fake out and it reminded me of like being at church and thinking a song was getting ready to end and then the choir starts back up. So that, and then I also agree about that third act, um, or just the final reveal with the Riddler's ultimate plans. I think if they would have mm-hmm. been a little bit more clear on what the devastation was, then mm-hmm. fine, whatever, I'll give it to you. Um,
2: but because I'm like, man, or if they brought up the seawall ever yeah. in the beginning. You know what I mean, like
1: Yeah, uh, at, at some point or something. But I mean, honestly, even outside of that, because we got a great moment because of that, yes, I'm yes. like, whatever, it's fine. Um, it's that whole Ferris Bueller's Day Off situation where you know get the (laughs) we get the scene with the Ferrari and it's kind of like, but he should have been able to like recognize that that was Ferris, right? But it's fine,
0: (laughs) right? We got that classic scene. I think I think when it becomes a length nitpick, it's not so much um like you needed to cut the film early, but like just thinking about maybe we didn't have to go through like five different mob bosses and DAs that we had to expose and we could have just done like three of them and still kind of get the yeah. point across. And I think like they're just like little bits and margins where I think you could have like knocked out bit by bit and suddenly you're t- turning a three hour movie into something closer to like two and a half hours and maybe is like a bit of a tighter project then. But um no, I, I think we're all just like super thrilled like when it comes yeah. to this. And can and can I just
2: quickly shout out John Toro as Carmine Falcone. Current uh, yeah, yes! Oh uh, my God! Yes! Especially because, like, while I think he's fun, it is so bizarre that in Batman Begins, the role of Carmine Falcone is played by classic Italian actor Tom Wilkinson.
0: Just <laughs> really, great so cast. much.
2: But um, they also they took advantage of a thing. Your little girlfriend
0: was, over there, like something. Your, your little <laughs> girlfriend
2: over there, uh yeah. that um. They took advantage of something that was, I think, deployed most beautifully in *Spider-Man: Homecoming*, where you take mm. an actress of uh, mixed racial descent and you throw people off the scent of their one of their parents being another character. Because yeah. if it's if Catwoman was white, I would probably be like, ah, "That relationship with Carmine's weird. Maybe he's her father." But because, yeah, my, you know, my dumb, stupid, simple brain just doesn't make wait, that wait, connection.
0: Actually, you mentioned that, Jake. I want to cut you off really quickly just because I want to round back to like how stupid and awkward and what an oaf like Batman is. How jealous Bruce Wayne gets <laughs> about mm-hmm. Catwoman! It's like, why are you following them? What's going on yeah. there? Are you doing something on that? front? is so funny to me. Like, even like in a way that he is like fully going to expose his identity at this funeral <laughs> by just <laughs> checking it on figuring out who this is. Like a girl that, like, I mean, he has like walking Phoenix Joker levels of delusion <laughs> of like what mm-hmm. his dynamic is with this girl is pretty funny in that moment. Um, but yeah, sorry, Jake, keep going about, uh, Jonathan yeah, Turturro, Cause just, like that is yeah, a great just,
2: role. Uh, he, and I think he just, he knows the thing about him, which is why he's such a great actor is cause he knows that there's like six or seven parts that are more showy than him and he doesn't mm-hmm. overdo anything. You know what yes. I mean? And like, I, he just like, I am the, I am the top tier mob boss the like my status speaks for itself i don't need to do the uh tom wilkinson you know which once again i thoroughly enjoy it. but uh i thought that was great and then also i just think that uh if you have to cast a sweaty district attorney who is on the take just peter stars is just like that's just like it's it's not oh, inspired because right? it's so obvious but i'm so
0: glad they did it, <laughs> it yeah. like if you want to talk about dado being like perfect casting scars in that moment just no Sarsgard. perfect it's so, yeah yes. thank you um yes. and yeah no, no the, definitely like shout out to john Totoro. it actually his his very like understated performance does remind me of joey knish and rounders like when he's that of course. and it actually like works in the same way because if you have john malkovich being kgb or you have colin Farrell being the penguin you gotta be understated to be a little more menacing and do your. and, thing.
2: and also it makes a lot more sense why he offers um selena the opportunity to drive the van around for some extra cash so that makes sense it it Connects back yes. to
0: gate to, uh, <laughs> connect. <you> yeah. <laughs> Um But yeah, uh, I we we heard you agreeing on that, Steph. Uh, you're a fan of Carmine Falcone, I'm guessing as well.
1: I absolutely am because unfortunately, um, I had watched uh, maybe two or three of the Transformer movies because they're like on Netflix, <laughs> and I just kind of had them on in the background. <laughs> right. So like that performance was fresh in my mind um, mm-hmm. prior to this one, and I was like, man, you. You're a great character actor. He just, it's is top tier. One the, but one of the greatest of all time. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you need someone to just come in and get the job done, like Jonathan Turturro was one of the tops for that. I mean, just even in movie like, t-
2: watch Mister Deeds and tell me that guy isn't putting in classwork mm. in that movie. <laughs> yes. Mm. I'm very
0: sneaky, sir. You know, yes, I just can't beat it. It's. And I think that might actually be like. Well, there's Lebowski as well. There's like so much. Like he's just mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah, the Lebowski character. I'll say doesn't age that well. So I didn't. like That was my first up. I didn't want to go to there. Um, of course, yeah, yeah. But, but just yeah. to say
0: that he has the rings, of course.
2: He has the rings to do anything. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No, no. Thank you for shouting that out. Definitely. Like, cannot leave without mentioning Carmine Falcone. I'm sure there's plenty other things. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I think like because there are so many Batman movies, like we'll end on this. Like a little bit of like where does it sit? Uh jake you already said top two for you um dark knight uh being still like edging ahead Mm -hmm. of it but like this one the second there i think for me it's like up there too and i would say uh in my like now where i sit and especially like with our podcasts and how much we have covered marvel films and like comic book movies in general i think like I really appreciate a movie like this because I think mm-hmm. what we had to do before in the ages of Christopher Nolan and even like Brian Singer with X-Men or Sam Raimi with Spider-Man was like we had to go out of our way to really make it like an appealing broader thing we could not get inside we could not get like really feeling like a comic book thing because actually like one of the most um and I, I get that it's like done in an artful way that didn't quite work. But like Ang Lee's like Hulk, like he goes out of his way to try to make it actually <laughs> yeah. just seem like a comical yeah. thing, but like that does that definitely blows up in his face. But it's just it's so nice that like you get to actually have a Batman movie that just seems to be made by people who are so in love with the character and its source material. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, um and I think also when it comes to like what a lot of people say. Uh, like all the detractors when it comes to like Batman movies and wanting to have like the proper Batman. I think even people who love like things like the Dark Knight and Nolan trilogy will argue like they never have still seen Batman yet on the big screen. And I think we finally can say that we have at this point. Steph, would you agree? Yeah, um, I think this one, I'll let it sit for a while, but
1: for um, sure. right now it's it's my top one. Um, and nice. the Dark Knight. yeah, yeah is very, it's still close um, because that one, for different reasons, but because this one was such a comic book movie, and it's It's so so funny when, it is, and like when I see folks say that it's not a comic book movie I'm like, wait, but do you like read comics? Because it's very much so. (laughs) It's a comic book movie because even you brought up like the Marvel stuff, um, like just the the past X-Men films and stuff like that, I would say that This is definitely in my top three, and it's not number three out of Mm. like comic book movies.
0: Um, Oh, straight up comic book movies. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's up there. I need to do another watch. I think because it is three hours long, it's probably what's gonna hurt it. But outside of that, um, damn, I love this movie, and I did not expect that. Like, I groaned when they announced (laughs) the Batman. Um, So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised
0: um yeah i i think that covers it there oh okay we'll do one mini shout out uh we did get the joker for a minute yeah we did get baby yes baby. oh um, wait
1: real quick um oh, the uh martha's joker so like the the thing with the the mom and trying to kind of hide her um her back life and all that like i really love that twist on the on the waynes yeah. we've seen that before in the comics but okay I appreciated that um, because that's another thing that has kind of plagued the Batman movies where, or just Batman in general with Thomas and Martha Wayne, like these upstanding citizens that were just slain in the streets. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that Thomas Wayne is a terrible person. I don't think he was. I think he was just like, as to Alfred's point, a -hmm. guy, a good man who- I am going to need more
0: Alfred in anything like- Oh my God, yes. Yes.
1: Most definitely. But I just wanted to say like the connection between the Waynes and the Arkhams- Really mm-hmm. love that.
0: That was very cool. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think, you know, uh, I do like that Matt Reeves uh, pointed out that that Joker isn't an implication that he is to come in a sequel, but just, again, to give you a sense of lived in. And I think that's also the thing that's like so great about comic book movies now, because they have such built in lore and like direct universes, especially in the case of MCU. Like you don't need to have these movies spend half their time explaining the world the world exists they live in it and we just get to like be a part of it and i think that's what makes these movies like so um enjoyable for like comic book fans but uh thank you both of you talking through this because i've been so excited about talking about this movie um i yeah it i i think it like really hit like i had high expectations for it, and i think it hit really hit on that front i'm glad that like it came around because Steph is definitely, out of the three of us, our most uh, expert of comic book people. So, like, mm-hmm. to hear it from that angle, too, is, like, really fantastic. Um, before we go, of course, Steph, uh, let us know what you got going on, where we can find you.
1: Um. So, by the time you're listening to this, I think Trial of the Amazon's number one will be out. So, please ch- uh, check that out. Um, also, Nubia issue six, uh, the coronation special is coming in May. Also, a bunch of announcements that I hope get made soon because um, it sucks not talking about mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. So go to um for updates and like Twitter, TikTok, Instagram um, mm-hmm. at Steph underscore I underscore
0: Will. Amazing. Jake.
2: You can follow me on Twitter, at TheJayChristy. Uh, the other announcements, things I have, are MCU-related, so I will let Jerome do that. Oh, no, no. Honestly, because season. it's okay. your baby, yeah. talk to us about the bracket. Yeah, so all right, so the Brackets going on. We, we, the first round was through. Round of 32 um, is coming up, starting to actually today, if you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, and we're going to keep going every week. And if you're enjoying the Bracket, uh, we on the Patreon, we have the Bracket First Take pod with Caleb Lannister and Michael Springthorpe. Truly the funniest thing we've done since, I think, the Daddy's pod. Uh, it's so (laughs) stupid it's truly just it's them doing espn first take but about the bracket and it goes for like an hour and a half and it's great um uh, but yeah that patreon by
0: the way is patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod.
2: yes uh so follow along with that and vote in the bracket and i always say if there's a character you want to win you know do what you gotta do you know some people get it some people are like oh man i'm so mad this person lost and some people are like tweeting at the actor hey can you retweet this now they don't but that's the right strategy so Mm -hmm. uh anyway um i have good news staff monica did get through and we do have a monica rambos we have a monica rambos stan account that is following along and is saying she will retweet everything that for her so she has a following
0: let's go let's go I love yeah. this. Um, and if you want to talk about tampering, there's no better person to speak on it than myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me at Vlad VladDragonRoll on Twitter and Instagram where definitely if I'm tweeting about this bracket, I have carefully selected mm-hmm. someone that I want to see go through. And I mm-hmm. will tweet all about them in support. I will mm-hmm. text my friends to vote forward. Mm-hmm. I will sometimes prepare an edit for my inevitable victory. So yeah. if you want someone just as badly to go through, I just I strongly encourage you yeah. to uh, put all your eggs in that basket and make it go forward. Because also not just for the sake of you, but also because I really believe in Jake and I really really believe in his bracket.
2: I I guess there's just a way that some people will like they'll like tweet about it and be like, hey man, I don't know if I'm sorry about this. It's like don't apologize for fuckery. I actually encourage it. Like come on. The whole point in <laughs> the
0: bracket is to encourage fuckery. The exactly. whole this existence of this. And I mean, like, I don't- yeah, And to find out how much fuckery is going on, you can follow us at MC University Pod. Damn right. Mm-hmm. And you can continue listening to this podcast. Listen, subscribe, rate, review, all those things. Hit us up. Join our Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com MCUniversityPod. Appreciate you all. Love y'all. And again, one more note. Once again, Anthony, Canton III, we love you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.